You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Buenos dias. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the metro region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ. Great to have you with us this morning. I love my metro family. Saludos to everybody. And I love all our friends and family and neighbors and, and everybody, including the San Francisco crew that's joining us this morning. Good to have you here. Welcome. Uh, we're uh, this Sunday morning and we're about to jump into the word of God. We have been doing a series on teachings and parables of Jesus and a lot of good stuff. We, we, we studied out Matthew 24. Then we did Matthew 23. We looked at Matthew 13. And today we're doing Matthew 25. Not the whole chapter, but uh, there's too much in one chapter to do in one sermon. But a lot of good stuff today. And I think you'll find it very interesting. Matthew 25. And we're looking at particularly the parable of the ten virgins, right? And uh, this is this has to do with the end times, which is a hot topic right now. A lot of people talking about uh, is this the end? Is it apocalyptic? You'll hear that word apocalyptic or apocalypsis. Um, that means the end times. That means the end. That's that means wrapping it up, right? And that's and the, and so you hear a lot of people mentioning that word right now because of everything that's going on in the world. There's so much happening in our world that a lot of people are getting scared. And, and what happens when people get scared? They oftentimes start praying. They oftentimes start looking for God because they suddenly realize, hey, something happens to me. I'm not ready or I'm not uh, right with God. And that's really what this whole uh, uh, this whole parable is about really the whole chapter 24 and 25. Jesus is talking about the end times and what's important. So looking forward to jumping in. We're going to, ju- we're going to read a little bit and then we'll jump into breaking it down. So Matthew 25 verse one, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming and they all began, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, they may, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, to go to the, those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were away to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins were, were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is one of those really interesting parables. Uh, pretty, pretty obvious in what he's saying and what the story's about and what. Uh, so let's 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 break it down, though, to make sure we don't miss anything really important here. So we have one groom. The groom represents, of course, Jesus. 
and that Jesus is coming and we don't know when he's coming. And the way the wedding party would work is when the groom would come, the brides would escort him and they would go into the banquet all together. Kind of like today, you know, after the wedding, everybody goes to the banquet and they wait. And then the bride and groom come in, they get introduced and the whole, well, first the bridal party and they get introduced and all that. It's something similar to that. So the, 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 the maids, the maidens, the, the bridesmaids were all waiting for him and to arrive. There was 10 of them, five with oil and five who had no extra oil. They all had lamps. You've seen that lamp. I, I brought that lamp to one of the Sunday services. Um, I have, I happen to have a 2000 year old lamp from Jerusalem and I scared everybody by tossing in the air, but it was actually another one. It was a fake one, but I had the real one there too. Um, lamps, you know, were very simple, but you, had, they, you can tell by the size of it, it fits in the palm of your hand. It's going to run out of oil after a while. It's not going to burn that long unless you refill it. The five wise ones, they brought extra oil. The five foolish ones did not. And therefore... Obviously, as the story goes, they get shut out. Here's the key points. First of all, the end is coming. Nobody knows when. We'll read that. But the end is coming. There is an end to everything. There is a time where all of this gets wrapped up. And Jesus promised it. It is going to happen. And in Matthew 23, 24, and 25, he talks about this. And he talks about how the, for, well, he describes the end of Jerusalem and then the end of the world. And certainly the end of Jerusalem did come in AD 70. It was wiped out by the Romans and everything he said that was going to happen is what happened. But he also talked about the end of the world. And he said that is going to happen. So the point he was making is not when is it going to happen. It's the fact that it is going to happen and you better be ready. Nobody knows when. Number two, that the wise are ready and the foolish are not. The wise are ready because they thought through. What do I need to do to be ready? What could happen? What challenges am, 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 challenges am I going to face? What might be the obstacles? And we might think, well, that's not fair. They ran out. They should have thought about this. They should have been wise, not foolish. Whether we're ready or not for Jesus returning, that's on us. We can't say, well, my parents didn't teach me or my, you know, I went to Catholic school and they didn't show me everything or, or the, you know, somebody didn't help me or my pastor didn't prepare. It's on us. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not work out everybody else's salvation. We're responsible for who we are, what we are, how we live our lives and whether we're ready for Jesus or not. That's on us. Number three, be ready. That's the main point of this is make sure that you are ready. Don't wait. Don't be foolish. Make sure you're ready for Jesus. Number four, many will regret regret not being ready. That's a fact. There's going to be those, and Jesus used the term very many times, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And number five, knowing Jesus is the key. Let's talk about this. So the first one, the end is coming. Well, a lot of people want to predict the end. And there have been, I mean, just in my lifetime, I've seen all kinds of predictions about when the end is coming. If you look at that screen, you see that all different dates. People have a lot of different ideas of when the end is coming. And they're always out there, right? 
But Jesus said in Matthew 24, when he began this discourse, he said, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son. I can't believe he said that. He doesn't even know, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. And then he says in verse 42, Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will, your Lord will come. It is going to happen. I mean, that's the point of this one. Is, 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 it, it's going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. You know, it's an amazing thing because in our heart of hearts, we know it. Even people who aren't very religious get nervous and get scared when catastrophes happen, when, when there's natural disasters. And there are so many crazy things happening right now in our world, from floods and earthquakes and locust swarms and fires and, and tsunamis and hurricanes and all kinds of stuff. Is it a sign of the end? Yes, it is. Does it mean the end is right around the corner? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. The Bible's that basically says no one's going to know exactly when. But yes, are those signs of the end coming? Yes, they are. There will be, there will be pain, there will be suffering, there will be wars, there will be catastrophe, all that stuff. Does that mean it's happening this year? Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe not for another thousand years. I don't know. But what we do know is that we need to be ready, right? Second Peter 3, 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. He says, look, it's coming. Don't think that because it hasn't come for 2,000 years that Jesus is slow to return. No, he's going to return exactly when it's time to return. But for him, a day is like a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years are like a day. So for Jesus, we're in the year 2000. That means it's been two days. I always like to tell brothers and sisters, watch out because Jesus likes to do things on the third day, right? So be ready again. The point is, be ready. Don't think that because a lot of time has gone by, that he's not coming. He absolutely is coming. But why hasn't he come? He says, because he wants to give everybody a chance to repent. You know, every once in a while, you ever, I'm, I'm sure if you're like me, every once in a while you're like, man, I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Let's just wrap this up. But then I start thinking, no, wait, I, there's people I love that aren't right with God yet. There's people I care about that, aren't following Jesus. And I want them to have a chance. It's exactly why he hasn't come. But the day is coming where it'll be too late to study the Bible. It'll be too late to get baptized. It it won't happen. And, And it'll just simply be too late. So we are in the time of grace right now. We're in the time that anybody can repent. So we need to take advantage of that and repent. If you're watching and you're listening and you're not right with God, you need to get on it and get right 
Make it happen. I lived in the New York area on, when 9-11 happened. And there were people panicking. There were people that was, I remember I heard about one person that was studying the Bible. She called up the sisters and said, either get over here and baptize me in my bathtub or I'm going to baptize myself. Because she was like, I'm, it needs to happen now. She got scared and she knew she wasn't ready. Are you ready? And that even applies to disciples of Jesus. Because sometimes a lot of us drift away and we're far from Jesus. That's not where you want to be when Jesus returns. Thomas wasn't around when Jesus returned. And that's why that whole scene came back where he didn't believe things. And Jesus had to show himself to him. You don't want to be gone. You don't want to be the missing brother or sister. Key point, number two, the wise are ready and the foolish are not. You ever run out of gas? Raise your hand if you run out of gas. Okay. Think about that for a second. We have a gauge that tells us when we're low on gas, right? We have a gauge. And then a lot of us have even a little light that turns on. That tells us. And some of us even have cars that say exactly how many miles we've got left before we run out of gas. And yet, you still see people run out of gas on the side of the highway. In fact, 500,000 people a year, every year, run out of gas. It's like, what in the world, guys? We know we're going to run out of gas. And yet, we stretch it. We challenge it. And we go as far as we can. I remember when I was in college, I had this little car. It was a beat-up little Pinto that somebody gave me for free because I was without a car. And I would put like a gallon, I would scrape my pennies and coins together and put like a gallon of gas and drive as far as I could. And I had this crazy idea of if I would sing to God, I wouldn't run out of gas. Actually, the funny thing is I never did run out of gas, but, but I would drive that till I knew it was on fumes. Why do we do these things? Why are we foolish sometimes? We just think we're going to get away with something and we're not. I'm sure that those 10, that the, that the five that didn't bring extra oil, they just didn't think it through. They didn't think what could happen or what might happen to them. Why do people hold off on gas or on changing or on repentance? Why do we put it off? Why do we wait? Why not now? If you need to repent and be baptized What are you waiting for? Why wait? God is waiting. Jesus is on the cross. What are we waiting for? Some of us have been watching all these sermons about repenting, and we've had God telling us, you need to change this. And you know it. Why haven't you changed it? How can you listen to a sermon and not change? That only proves we're hard-hearted. And we know what happens to the hard heart. We need to be soft hearted. And repentance has a sense of urgency and earnestness. Now, not later. Some of us, we've heard the call to confession. And we know there's things we need to be open about. And we haven't done it. Why not? You don't want to be loaded down with sin when Jesus returns. You want to be free of sin. The Bible, 1 John chapter 1, tells us that if we confess our sins, we'll be forgiven. Well, if... So if you don't, what about that? We need to be open. We need to make sure we're ready for Jesus coming back. Third point, be ready. Be ready now. 
Second Peter 3, 14, 15. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. You get the feeling Peter had a sense of urgency? He said, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless. Who's going to find us? Jesus is going to find us. We think sometimes, you remember when, when Adam sinned and, and, and he hid from God? That's what we do when we sin. We hide from God. And God went in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? I think some of us, God's calling us. And you've heard his voice. And we need to respond. And this isn't just for visitors. This is for all of us. What is God calling you to do? What is God asking you for? What have you heard in the sermons or the lessons or the midweeks or your Bible study, your quiet time and your prayer times that you're not responding to? Respond. Be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. It's all we all need to be found. I want to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. As my friend once said, I want him to say, well done, not be well done. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. He's been so patient with us. He's worked with us. We need to be drawn near to God, be with him closely, right? The context of that whole parable is in the previous chapter. In verse 6 of chapter 24, it says, But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. I already read this. But I want to point out something else. But only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving. In other words, they were living just normal lives. It wasn't like everybody was sitting around waiting. They were just living their lives. And he says, that's what it's going to be like now. People will just be living their normal life. How many of us honestly thought this morning when we got up that maybe Jesus is coming back today? Probably not many of us. We go through our normal lives. But our normal lives need to be, we're ready for Jesus. Because we have therefore kept watch. Because we don't know the day or the hour he's coming back. The fourth point, many will regret not being ready. This is, this is the sad part. This is honestly the tragic part. Matthew 8, he says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The tragedy of all of this is there'll be people who were so close They knew who Jesus was. They knew what the gospel is. They knew what the cross is. They knew that Jesus died on the cross for them. But they kept a distance. And they did not draw near to God. They did not turn themselves into him. And even though, and he says something very alarming here. He says that they were subjects of the kingdom. In other words, they were part of the kingdom and they still weren't right. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So just because we're in the club 
doesn't mean everything's okay. We need to stay with Jesus. And he gives us the key point here. What does that mean? Well, it means knowing Jesus. That's what it means. In Matthew 25, he says, But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. That's how the parable ends. That's an interesting thing he says. He doesn't say, because you ran out of oil, you're out. He says, because I don't know you. What's the issue? The issue is knowing Jesus. The issue is being close to him so that you can know him. The issue is you've kept your eyes focused on him. The issue is you have had learned the gospels so you know what he says. You know how he said it. You know what was important to Jesus. You know what wasn't important. People who know me, they know what I like. They know what I don't like. They know what I'm into. They know what gifts to give on my birthdays and, and holidays. People that I love, I find out what's important to them. What's on their hearts. What's on their minds. It's getting to know Jesus. And that means taking the time every day to learn more about him. That means praying to be like him. That means stretching our character and our, and, the, and our way of being to be as much like Jesus as we can. In Luke 13, someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you. You taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. Then when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself thrown out, people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are, who are last who will be first and first who will be last. I mean, he's saying, look, don't, don't be so confident. You take, you who think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Just because you're in the church, just because you're giving money, just because you're reading their Bible, doesn't mean you're right with God. It's knowing Jesus. It's always the issue. It's being with him. You know those t-shirts say, I'm with him. And then the other person wears, I'm with her. It's being like that. I'm with Jesus. I know him. I know his words. I can quote to you what he says. I know what his heart is. I, and I imitate him. I mean, much of learning is by practice, right? That we day after day try to be like Jesus and we grow and we're being transformed by the Spirit of God, which by the way, oil represents spirit. So you run out of oil, you run out of the Spirit. What he's talking is, is another hidden meaning in there. Is that you're that in touch with God. Not that you visit him once in a while. When I was growing up, we used to visit my Thea on Saturday. She lived out of town. We'd drive far to go visit her. And then on Sundays, I thought, and my Thea was really old and, you know, maybe a little senile. And we would just all go give her hugs and then we'd go outside and play. And I would think the same thing on Sunday mornings. We'd go visit God. He was like an old God and we had to be really quiet in there. And then we'd go play afterwards. That wasn't being 
a disciple of Jesus. That wasn't knowing Jesus. I needed to get to know him, which took intention, which took purposeful living, which, which, which meant I was focused on him. I'm learning more about Jesus today than ever in my life. Let me tell you, it's exciting. It's awesome. It's incredible. You, you're not going to learn everything there is to know about him. You got to know him. It is the key. Second Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace. This was the end of that paragraph we read earlier. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Know his words. We're memorizing scripture. How are you doing on that? His actions. Oh, he did this. He did this. I can tell you what happened this. You know, after he fed the 5,000, you know, he went, where did he go? What did he do after that? After they went out on the, on the boat, when did Jesus show up? Where did they go after that? What did he teach them? When people were faithless, what were his words? What was his priority? When people tried to get him to do one thing and he wouldn't do it, what did he do? What is his way? Is it our way? Is it my way? Is it your way? The way of Jesus. You know, early Christians were called the way because they lived just like Jesus. They lived in his dojo where he trained them to be just like him. And they learned not through head knowledge. That's important. Learn the Bible. But what's even more important is practicing what we're learning. Doing, living, being what we're learning. Jesus, he's the key. He's everything. We need to keep our eyes focused. Our world is going crazy. In the next month and a half, it's going to get crazier. And there's going to be so much hatred out there. And so much discourse, so much division, so much madness going on. Do not let that into the kingdom of God. We need to be like Jesus, who rose above all the affairs of this world, who loved and served and gave. We are his disciples. So we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. And learn as much as we can. This whole fall, we're going to be studying how to be like Jesus. Watch, listen, learn, practice. We're going to be in the dojo of Jesus. If you have any questions, where do I read? What do I study? if, If you're visiting with us this morning, or you've tuned in and you're not sure what to do, I want to urge you to take steps. To make sure that you are ready for his return. And what all that means. There's an there's a, there's a email address on there. Findgod at laicc.net. Write to, write to us. Ask. Write to me. I'll, I'm checking it. And depending on how many come, I might have several people answering. But take action. To make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready when he comes home. Do whatever it takes. Make every effort. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your devotion. Thank you for tuning in to learn, to grow, and to be your best.
the best is yet to come. Let's keep pushing through. God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 